Hey, hi, I'm Bonnie. Welcome to this podcast, Make Joy Normal, where we chat about homeschooling and family life. With my co-hosts, Elizabeth and Christina, we address your questions and topics in a way that can create more joy in our lives. Please submit any questions you have by email or voice message in the links in the show notes. If you found this episode valuable, please share it with a friend, like, or leave us a review. That's how we get the word out. Thanks for trying to make joy normal in your own life. Good afternoon to all my listeners. I have, I'm doing a little short episode with my husband, Albert, today. And the reason I am, I just thought it would be interesting to do some episodes with Albert. It's just about sort of our life together. So I am uh, have wrangled him into maybe doing an episode every month or two with me. So this one, I thought it would be nice to do a little short episode on kind of our Advent activities. I've mentioned them in lots of uh past episodes, but I thought just doing uh, an episode on kind of our advent and the kinds of things that we've developed in our family over the years would be would be fun and interesting. And I but I wanted to sort of start first of all, uh, this is my husband, Albert, you can say hi. Hello. <laughs> uh, so we're just sitting here having a coffee. Happy and, Advent. <laughs> and recording. Happy Advent for sure. So Advent starts tomorrow. I'm going to release this episode. We're actually recording it uh, Saturday, December 2nd, and I'll be releasing it same day. So, And this is the last day of Ordinary Time. Yeah, 34th week of Ordinary Time. We made it. We made it. <laughs> 2023 has been, been a challenging year for us, for sure. So uh, we're... Um, happy to see it go and also happy to welcome a new year. So I kind of wanted to set the stage because I'm a convert. Albert was a cradle Catholic and the very first Catholic mass I ever went to was a Christmas Eve mass with Albert and his family. At that time, he was a Christmas and Easter uh, Catholic and he really wanted his tradition, he's French-Canadian, his tradition was to go to midnight mass, then come home and have a big party kind of in the middle of the night at Avion, which is something that we've continued on in our fa- in our family, except we don't go to um, midnight mass because we had a bunch of kids. We went to, we go to an earlier family mass and then have Avion afterwards. So, so Albert was really excited to take me to this Christmas Eve mass. And it was a really fundamental turning point for me because... Uh, when, when I walked in, I was already interested in faith. I was already wanting, asking a lot of questions, refer to my conversion story. If you guys want to know more about that, but was already interested. And I walked into this big church and it was really, really crowded. It was 1130 at night. It was really crowded. And it was just the joy in the church was palpable. And I, I thought, okay, what is it these people have? Like, what is it they have? I want this, not really knowing what it was, not really understanding what it was. And then when I saw Christ on the crucifix, the question I had on my lips was, who are you, right? Who are you? And why, why do you play into this, what these people have and what these people want? But looking back on that, what I want to know is why it mattered so much to you. Because, because you weren't going to Mass at the time regularly, because you weren't, hadn't been super well formed in the faith. Uh, why did it matter so much to you to go to the Christmas Mass? Yeah, that's that's a good question. I'd have to really think a lot about that to get a real good answer for you. But at first thought, I would think that tradition is very formational. Mm-hmm. I mean, all our memories as a child are very 
they're either really good or they're really bad. There's hardly any neutral mm -hmm. uh, memories. And the really good ones, I think, stand out. And, you know, there's something about being in a church where everybody's dressed up. The colors you're used to seeing at this time of year, mm -hmm. um, the reds, the whites, all that, mm -hmm. and the music. I think the funniest thing when I think back on that first Mass, you came with me to the Midnight Mass, or it wasn't Midnight Mass, one of the evening Masses. And um, after it was all over, you, I think you were—I think it seems to me you were surprised that all those Christmas songs that you always heard on the radio or heard in your living room at Christmas, even though you weren't a Christian family, that we sang them at the church. That was pretty oh, neat. Right. <laughs> and then I had to point out that, well, we invented those songs. Right. <laughs> because those are our songs. Those are our tradition that the culture has held on to. Right. And there, it's just that beautiful just heartwarming tradition. I mean, you don't even, you know, you know that there's this baby in a manger uh, laying yeah. in a cradle, manger cradle, and it's just a beautiful image of a family united, the holy family. I think right. it's all it all blends in with then the hymns and the music. You know, when you watch a good movie, the, the musical score adds the drama that you need. Mm -hmm. Without the music, there's no... No, the, the whole context is lost. Right. But in a in a, in a beautiful Christmas, the hymns of Christmas are so bring your heart, and your soul into the yeah. whole celebration, the liturgy, and I think that you know all those pieces put together. Yeah. With the image and really create something heartwarming. Okay, so I I one thing first of all, you didn't need any length of time to come up with a really good answer because that was a really good answer. Okay. But you're also speaking to the senses, right? That it yeah. was a very sensory yeah, experience. Yeah, think about that. Not, not only that, the smells, right? Right. The incense. And, yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay, so we, I mean, our sensory experiences really kind of reverberate right. in our souls. That's what that's So because everything you just described was of the senses, what you saw, what you right. heard, what you smelled, what you, yeah, felt. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Yeah, that's yeah, a great and answer. You're, and you're holding the hymnals in your hand. You're touching things. And yeah. Yeah. So I think then what I'm gathering from that then is what, what led you, because just for our listeners to understand, Albert really led the charge in terms of creating, um, creating traditions around advent right around christmas because it really meant a lot to him and what one of the big draws for me in the catholic church was the tradition now, I, I didn't know what they were i didn't know how to access them in a sense but the fact that there were these really centuries old millennia old traditions in the church uh was i just found that really really beautiful and i found that that reached across the centuries to our past my past your past you know the that we were in touch with people who came way, way before us, and we were still carrying forward those traditions. That meant a lot to me. Um, mm. So so you were very much kind of the leader in our family in terms of traditions. I mean, there was some things over the years that I brought in. Yeah, by default. Yeah. And, uh, you know, because we did have some Christmas, tra Christmas traditions, they weren't sort of Christian-based in a sense, but they were 
they were still our traditions that we've still kind of hung on to in our family. But I, I want to talk about the book that you came across and maybe how you came across it. That was really uh, the book on sacramentals. Oh, that because it's a good story, and it, I think it's a great book. Yeah, too. sacramentals are very important in our life. They 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 um, support us in our traditions. So they're holy objects that are typically blessed by the priest, um, and to have them in your home is so. I think important. Can you just explain the difference between sacramental and sacrament so that listeners, if they don't know, yeah. So the sacra- there's seven sacraments in the church. The sacrament is defined as uh, uh, God's grace, invisible grace made visible in, in a sign and yeah. with some kind of object, with some tactile thing. So uh, the sacraments of the church, you know, baptism, confirmation. Eucharist, those are the uh, sacraments of initiation, brings you into the church in full communion. And then you've got the confession, which is reconciliation, um, marriage, you've got the last rites, the anointing with the oils, and you've got the um, holy orders, which is priesthood, diaconate. So those would be sacraments. Sacramentals are objects that have... Uh, that are blessed by the priests, which, in a sense, become holy or set apart, as you would say, that you can use to uh, enhance your sensory experience when you are, say, praying or um, just trying to live out the life you're called to, uh, the sacramental life you're called to. So how I came across this book, it was kind of interesting. We were at a conference in Seattle, uh, it was a homeschool conference, and there was um, all kinds of vendors there. And there was one particular vendor. It was a sister of the Saint Order of Saint Paul, I believe. Mm-hmm, the Pauline sister, yeah. And she had their mission is to evangelize with media. So she had all kinds of books and things there in her stall. And I went up and asked her. I'd heard about the sacramental called a scapular, the brown scapular, and it's it was uh, in high. <laughs> This is early on. Early on, yeah. yeah really. We were we were searching and trying to learn the faith. I was not really taught much of my faith when growing up, so that's mostly why probably I left it and, and revisited it as an adult. Together with Bonnie, we journeyed, um, discovering all the truths. And uh, I'd heard about this uh, brown scapular. It was, um, it was a... Uh, originally... A brown vestment given to St. Simon Stock in an apparition from the Blessed Virgin Mary that she uh, asked him and the order that he belonged to was falling apart and she wanted him to take up as the leader in in the he was a monk a monk um, and the order was well, it's lost me at the moment but anyway he the brown scapular would be a sign of the re rebuilding the renewal of this order and that everyone in in the uh, that would be in, all the monks should be enrolled in the order of the brown scapular, and and it became that they should wear this brown. It's basically a it goes over the shoulders of a brown vestment, if you will, and uh, almost like a tunic. It's like a work apron. Work apron, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And then eventually, it was offered to the laity that had a devotion to this particular order 
in a small form. So it'd be a, a brown lace that goes around your neck with a little patch on the front and in the back. It could have an image of Our Lady or different things like that that you wear and there's a promise attached promises attached to it but you you have to make your own promises to be enrolled like a daily rosary or, or different types of prayers but anyway i was interested and i found all this out after but the, when i was asking this nun if she had any books on it she says oh yeah just wait a minute i have it i have something perfect for you it's around here somewhere and I said, yeah, I don't want to wear it because it'll be like superstition until I actually understand it. She says, oh, no, it's not superstition. You really, you, I really want you to encourage you to wear this, <laughs> even if I can't find the book. And, and so she's looking everywhere. She couldn't find it. it took, she looked for five minutes at least. And, and, but she was from Alaska. She said, give me your address. I'm gonna, when I get home, I'm going to mail you a copy of the book because I think you really need to have it. I said, okay, but I'm not going to wear the scapular until you until I know more about it. She said, okay, but I would really encourage you to wear it. <laughs> I said, okay, thank you. And so I started walking out of the hall, the vendor hall, and I was almost out of the door, and something just struck me, and it stopped, kind of stopped me in my tracks. I thought, hmm. And I turned around. I don't even know what made me do this. I walked right, and she had probably... Hundreds, well, she had hundreds yeah, of books on sure. her in her stock. And I walked up to one spot, I lifted a book, and there was a book laying there called Catholic Sacramentals. I picked it up, I went over to her, is this the book you're look, you're talking about? I said, oh my goodness, that's exact, that's the exact <laughs> book I was looking for. And she says, Our Lady wants you to have that, you just take it. <laughs> so she gave me the book. And I took it home, and it's it's a wonderful book, and it's all it's got listed in it all kinds of different Catholic sacramentals that you can incorporate into your daily tradition or or whatever the culture mm -hmm. of your home or your, or your life. Yeah. And there was a really good explanation in there about the brown scapular, and it, it really gave me peace. And yeah. And I've been wearing it ever since. So. But it also encouraged us to continue looking for ways to make to sort of bring sacramentals sometimes sacramentals are actions as well to bring sacramentals into our life to to signify um the day and to signify the liturgical season and all of that and and so we really started with advent and christmas and so it was a it was an encouraging book to include sacramentals in your life and how important that was and i think what became really obvious was that the sacramentals in your life like going to this christmas mass why did it matter so much to you the sacramentals of it were really really significant in your journey because they engaged journey, all the senses yeah. right yeah, they engaged sure. the senses and your desire to go back to the church can so, i just add one little yeah, more yeah. to that sacramentals are very important to have around but it's even more important that you teach your children what they mean mm -hmm. and their significance. Mm -hmm. Because we had, when I was a kid, we had rosaries around the house. So I didn't know what they were. Yeah. Because we never used them. Yeah. I just thought they were neck, fancy necklaces with Jesus <laughs> hanging around your neck, but I didn't know the point and the purpose of it. Yeah. So it's very important it. yeah. that, that you're, everybody's, that you're for your children's sake, that they know what yeah. they're all about. And, exactly. Yeah. So in terms of our Christmas and Advent, of course, there was already a few things in place that we did like a Christmas tree, right? So your Christmas tree is a sacramental. There's a blessing for the Christmas tree. I think it's in that sacramental book, but I can't remember. Yeah. You can look it up yeah. online. Bless your Christmas tree. You can, uh, there's lots of other sacramentals that we use during Advent and Christmas. So some of the ones that 
right off the bat, we started doing an Advent wreath uh, and saying prayers, blessing the Advent wreath, saying prayers uh, for Advent in the evening, um, lighting the candle of the Advent wreath. You know, it's it's visual, it's uh, tangible, it's something that, you know, sets this season apart, right? So I think that was the very first thing we did. Obviously, a Christmas tree was already in place. But once we knew it was a sacramental, then suddenly the meaning of the Christmas tree and Mm. decorating the tree becomes so much more important uh, when you recognize it as a sacramental. Um, the Advent wreath, of course, you recognize the, sac- the sacramental. And then, then at some point we sort of, so every, I don't know, every few years we would sort of add more things in until they kind of became our Christmas and Advent habits. But early on, it was around the time we moved into this house. That would be like 22 years ago. Yeah. You read um, or listen to Mother Angelica. That was still, no, that was really was it, around. Was it? Okay. So yeah. it was before we moved we here. So very early on in our, that, in our, so we've been on. married 33 years yeah. this year. And Mother Angelica was very formational for me as well. I listened to her all the time. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was, she made a com. she made a statement like families, you have to do extreme things, radical things, radical yeah. things. And she gave an example. Get all your children lined up. Go out into the street, walk or, and process around your neighborhood with crucifixes, so <laughs> so that people can see you. And don't be, don't hide your faith. Just live it and be radical. Do crazy things like that. Yeah. And I got the idea to, that we could do that. At least we lived in the country, so processing out in the country, you know, nobody would see us. So we thought we'd just try it in our our home to start with, and it started with Advent. We would, at, in, after we said our prayers at night with the kids, we would end our evening before I'm going to bed with a procession around our house. We had, we were, yeah. it was convenient. We had a corridor, a wall, a main wall that we could walk around in a circle. And so we decided to just process, and each one of the kids would take uh, one of the figures from the nativity scene they or a candle, or if a they were candle old enough, yeah. or whatever, and hold that up. And we came up with a, a song, uh, Advent hymn to process to, O Come Divine Messiah. And we sang one verse, maybe two, maybe three. Yeah. Depending on the evening. And, and the kids were so excited yeah. to do that. And every night, we've been doing that for years and years and years. Yeah, and now our grandkids are doing it when they come. Um, they're here in the evening at Advent. Yeah. And we end it with a little prayer. Yeah. And... Uh, yeah, it was a beautiful thing. And it was, I would say, probably the thing our kids looked forward to the most. And it didn't matter if we had company, we would do it regardless, yeah. right? And our people would just join in. Yeah. And so we would ding, do this uh, walk around our, our living room kitchen. We would turn all the lights out, um, just have enough light that we wouldn't trip. <laughs> the boys love that because they could... Yeah, and the kids would hide and sneak. Yeah, and believe me, it didn't go smoothly. They would. (laughs) It became real a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun, and the kids would, you know, uh, hide around the corner from their other siblings and jump out at them, and you know, goof off, and and you adapt to that because there's nothing set in stone that everybody has to be quiet and reverent. No, it's a, it's a time of joy and whatever celebration in life the children are. You go with that and just enjoy it. Exactly. Yeah. So that became probably the number one thing our kids, our kids wanted to do. And if we got home really, really late and didn't have time to do the procession, they were, you know, bummed out. (laughs) So it was, it was a really important thing. But then 
then eventually we added a few years later we added the Jesse uh, the Jesse tree Jesse readings. Tree, yeah. And in our family, I can't remember how we came across the Jesse tree readings. It might have been in the it sacramentals was, book. No, there was something in our parish going on a Jesse tree thing. Right. And uh, we'd heard about it. Right. So we sort of looked into that. And what we did is because we had a sort of a mitt full of little kids at the time, instead of having an actual, you know, stick, uh, usually you have sort of a a stick or branches that you put into some sort of a a bucket and you hang Jesse tree ornaments um, that you've either made or purchased each night as you do the Jesse tree readings, which, which basically is the genealogy of Christ, right? So you go from the beginning of of creation to the birth of Christ, and you do sort of the significant readings through scripture. And they can be very, very simple for little kids, or you can do a more elaborate reading for older kids. Um, You know, something, there's all kinds of resources online for the Jesse tree. So uh, that's something I won't go into sort of a lot in terms of finding readings. But we did different things over the years in terms of what readings we chose. But instead of having an actual tree that took up space and that the kids could, you know, be undecorating all the time, we actually cut out, out of dark paper. We cut out the outline of a dark tree just with the branches of a tree. And we drew, drew them. So as Albert was reading the Jesse tree readings the kids would be drawing something. So say it was um, it was the story of Joseph and his coat. They would do a symbol that was relevant, either the coat or, um, you know, something else that was relevant to the reading. And then we would stick those little pieces of paper that they had done their drawings on onto the tree. And we would usually have a fancy drink at the time, like a, you know, hot apple cider or hot chocolate or something. Um, but it kept their hands busy while Albert was doing the reading. And then the tree was stuck on the wall, right? It was taped to the wall and all the little um, Jesse tree ornaments were, were stuck on the wall. So anybody could participate from the littlest one who just made a scribble to the oldest ones who were, you know, doing quite elaborate drawings um, for the evening. And so that maybe took 10 to 20 minutes to do our Jesse mm. tree reading. But by the end of it, some years there would be like, you know, a hundred pictures on the tree because, you know, you might yeah. have six or seven kids all doing the same picture every night. So there was lots of pictures on the tree, but it made it easy for me yeah. uh, and, and really engage the kids, you know, as they were, as they were drawing and whatnot. It's called so. a Jesse tree because from the shoot of Jesse yeah. um, came the Messiah, right? Yeah, that's the scripture. Yeah, so you go, you go through scripture. Jesse uh, was David's father. Yeah. King David. Yeah. Yeah, so, and as you get closer to Christmas, you get closer to Christ's actual line, right? In the last week, the Jesse tree readings are are really about uh, his immediate lineage, right? Jesus, the fulfillment of all prophecy. Yeah. So then we adapted, sort of moving closer to Christmas. Those are some of our our Advent uh, activities. Moving closer to Christmas, what we started doing was, um, oh, early on as well, we started doing this really early on. Albert's French-Canadian tradition, as I mentioned earlier, was to go to midnight mass, to come home in the middle of the night, and to have a big feast in the middle of the night. So what we started doing was going to a family mass that might be at 5 o'clock, it might be at 8 o'clock. We would go to sort of the oh, latest Eve, yeah. yeah, the latest family mass that we could sort of manage that was within reach and on Christmas Eve, and then... While everybody was rushing around getting ready for Mass, the dining room was kind of off-limits. Nobody was allowed to be in here. I was getting the feast ready. So the feast wasn't a dinner. It was like fancy snacks and fruit trays. So for a few years, when our life was, you know, well, many years, when our life was really, really busy, 
I would order like two or three trays, like a fruit, a meat and cheese tray and a fruit tray from our local grocery store. I'd pick them up and hide them. And then the kids would, this would be on the table when they came back. Um, and fancy crackers, you know, uh, pot, the kind, kind you pop plates and fancy drinks and whatever would be all set out ahead of time. So I would be doing that in secret as Albert was loading the kids into the car. And the baby, the significant part was the baby, the crash had sat with the baby not in the manger all through Advent. And now the baby's in the manger. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and so we would come home, the feast was on the table, and the baby would be in the manger. And of course, the kids knew what was going to happen, but it was still a surprise. They hadn't seen it yet. And uh, and so that was a really big deal, huge deal. Yeah, and in my custom, for all the French Canadians that are listening, of course, you know what I'm talking about when I say réveillon, that'd be the awakening in the middle of the night. Yeah. But a big part of that feast that we would have would be the meat pie. Yeah. And if so, Bonnie has incorporated that. She knows how important that is to my, <laughs> I learned how to make my memories and my Touch culture. And so it's French meat yeah, pie, yeah. 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 And, of course, it has to have ketchup. So, yeah. You know. And over the years, our kids got fancy wine glasses, and they drank sparkling apple juice out of their fancy wine glasses. And, of course, every year, one of the wine glasses broke. And um, and that person, we decided, had just received some sort of special blessing. The first person to break a wine glass. <laughs> Uh, and it was just okay. We just picked up the pieces and um, and moved on. But it was just part of the Christmas tradition yeah. that a wine glass would break. <laughs> so we developed, we improvised, we developed our traditions. Yeah. Every year, a little more or not. So yeah, exactly. Every on. few years, we would sort of incorporate some new thing until we felt kind of like we were, okay, this is enough traditions. <laughs> We've, We've arrived. Got lots of things. <laughs> We've arrived. Actually, a couple of years ago, one of our sons-in-law has... Um, his family tradition that on the Feast of St. Nicholas, uh, his family would do a puppet show. Now, he's one of the youngest. He's one of 14. He's one of the youngest. He's the 13th. The, by the time he remembers it, it was his siblings doing the story of St. Nicholas as a puppet show. He was mentioning this, and we thought, Gee, you know, we could do that for the grandkids that live nearby. And so we, two years ago? How many yep. years? We've just two. done it for two years. Mm -hmm. So the first year, we had this setup that we had kind of a cobbled makeshift. together, a mm. makeshift setup. We did the St. Nicholas, uh, Nicholas play. So we made some, my daughter and I made some puppets, and it was just St. Nicholas and a father and a daughter. And I wrote a little script on the story of St. Nicholas. Um, you can get some online. You, knew, you can adapt one that suits your, the age of your kids or grandkids or whatever. And then we invited the grandkids over, and at the very end of the play, St. Nicholas threw, throws chocolate coins out to the out to the crowd who's sitting there, right? And it's only like five or ten minutes long. It's super short. But then last year, we got this idea that we would make this quite elaborate puppet theater. It was such a hit. Uh, so we, <laughs> I had all this leftover fabric. We made this amazing puppet theater invited everybody over, and then uh, did the St. Nicholas play. Um, and then the kids went on to, for the next hour or two just doing little scenes from a play behind the puppet theater for their, the rest of their cousins and whatnot. So, uh, so that was a new thing. We hadn't incorporated a new yeah. tradition for ages and Never ages. Never saw that one coming. Yeah. But also then my daughter and her husband, because he's Polish, um, they do a Polish dinner on Christmas Eve. Because that was he grew up with this beautiful seafood Polish dinner that's before you go to Mass. And uh, and sort of it's a fasting feast in a sense. There's no meat served, 
but they have this beautiful sharing of bread tradition and prayers that are said during that meal. And, and so that's just been a beautiful thing to, uh, to sort of see their traditions grow up and their traditions might be different in ours and that's okay. Like we yeah. don't, we don't, we're not attached to what they do in their families, yeah. but uh, there's certain things that we'll maintain in our family, right? Yeah, it's very good. Yeah. I think a lot the way the world is going right now, or in the West anyway, the secular culture is taking over, and mm-hmm. people are losing these customs and traditions. Yeah. And so you really we, need to we, encourage We're that. reinventing using a, a lot of what some of us grew up with. And, yeah. And, uh, yeah. Creating a family culture. So that was really, really important for us, and I know that for my own kids, with kids, creating a, a culture in their home uh, that's their family culture. So it's not what's not important is that they carry our traditions forward, but that they have traditions, right? And they'll probably carry some of our traditions forward. But what's so what's the main takeaway I think in in this is we create a family culture, and Advent and Christmas weren't the only parts of our family culture, but I just thought it was sort of significant to do it, sort of talk about this today so that, uh, you know, as we're approaching Advent, you know, if you can even do one little thing like, okay, we're going to put out a plate of uh, treats while we, um, while we say prayers at night, or we're going to light candles. So we don't normally do that during Advent, whatever it is you do, uh, to, to create and form a, a, a Catholic culture in your home is what really, really matters. Okay, so what's the name of this book? You just grabbed it off the shelf. So, a that, Handbook of Catholic Sacramentals. Yeah, written by, by Anne Ball. Ball. And so, if, you know. Yeah, if I get to it, I'll put that in the show notes, but at least you have the full name now. So, And of course, the, it's the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel. Right. I was put on the spot, so I drew a blank, but of right. course, it's Simon Stock was a yeah. Carmelite. Yeah. And, um, we should have known that because yeah. we were just at Mount Carmel in September. Yeah. In uh, Haifa. Yeah. Israel. Yes. Same mountain where Elijah yeah. called the fire down from the sky to defeat Baal. the priests of Baal. Yeah. Yeah. That's um, that's a whole other story. <laughs> yeah. That's a whole other story. So I think we'll call that a wrap, but unless you have anything else you want to add about no. Advent and Christmas, no. um, call that a wrap. Just sharing some of our traditions, and thanks very much for, for being willing to be with me. <laughs> well, it's my pleasure. <laughs> okay, so God bless you all, and have a blessed Advent. Uh, I'm hoping to continue recording through Advent, so we'll, uh, we'll be in touch. God bless. God bless.